Hello, everybody, and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. My name is Brian, and I am here with Allison, and this is HBR Debate number, I don't remember, 58. Is toxic masculinity the fault of the men's movement? Uh, we have this video. Let me go ahead and... Um, by a YouTuber that I already forgot the name of. Uh, it's like Little, Little Hoot. Little Hoot. And she is a um, feminist and everything else that comes with that. SJW, whatever you want to call it. YouTuber. And she seems to really like ContraPoints. Uh, sort of like, mm. you know, m method of... Of making videos where there's a lot of costumes and scene changes and music and comedy um to <laughs> to sort of like make her make her arguments and she basically delves into the history of uh the masculinity crisis related to the the men's movement and essentially um well uh, it's cancer I'm just going to put it that way. It's mm. absolute. So let me let me uh, let me explain why. Because when I say this is really bad and this is an evil woman, I think people expect that she's going to be yelling and setting things on fire and covering herself in period blood and making a scene, you know, or being really aggressive. No, those people I'm not concerned with. In fact, those people are good for us because they sort of show the really hysterical side of not just feminism, but just like that mindset of seeing the world that way. It's a manifestation of their fear, the fear that's been put in them by these kinds of like, you know, ideas. This is the woman from Harry Potter with the pink and like she's really sweet and she comes across like she really cares. And, you know, but there is just fire flames behind her eyes like it's bad and and you'll see what i mean mm. so this video is like 48 minutes long another thing that she seems to have borrowed from contrapoints which is extremely long videos that make it a little bit challenging to respond to because if you respond to a clip they can say it's out of context because you didn't watch the whole 50 minute video but all i can tell you is, is that i watched the whole fucking thing and it doesn't get better at any point so mm. uh, all, all right, right Allison, do you, do you want to say anything before we start down this shithole uh you can hear me right yes i can can you hear me yes i can hear you too okay. so okay. with that out of the way i i am completely ignorant of this someone handed it to me so i handed it to you and uh i i don't know what's in it uh, so I look forward to being enlightened by this woman and how the men's rights movement is responsible for something that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, actually, I think that what they really mean by toxic masculinity is seeing masculinity as having anything positive for, about it at all, ultimately. I think that's what they really mean. I, I think, but, I, I think it's, out. yeah, well, I think it's something more sinister than that because, um, you know, someone mm -hmm. I, I was arguing with someone about this video and um, the, what it comes down to is uh, mass masculinity is toxic 
if it doesn't serve these women. Not not necessarily if it doesn't serve women, because there are women that are not deserving of masculinity service. But if it doesn't serve these women, mm. and so men, boys, and masculinity mm. more broadly, it's just another resource that they want control over. It's just another resource that they mm. want to control. And if men are thinking for themselves and saying, no, ma'am, they are behaving in a toxic fashion. And if they're talking with other men, mm. they're behaving mm. in a toxic fashion. Because men talking with other men might come up with the idea that these women are not the center of the universe. And that these men can actually do things on their own and get gratification and satisfaction, satisfaction and purpose outside of this, these women's, like, um, uh, what would you call it? Their, their radar, their scanners, whatever, you know, whatever it is these women mm, use to, de mm. to detect prey, you know, <laughs> so. Okay, uh, I have a, right. a bit of a cat emergency. I just want to remind everybody, if you enjoy the content of these shows, please go to feedthebadger.com. We have subscription options, which will give you access to all kinds of additional content and also one-time support options as well. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. I'm going to go deal with the simmering volcano down below me. And uh, I'll be listening, though. I'll be listening. So all right. So don't, don't worry let about me... That, okay, if you are so worried. let I'm me get this set too. up. Uh, so the first thing I should say that is, you know, one thing I've learned about myself is that I am tremendously sensitive to people who lie about other people, in particular when they misrepresent them and their positions. This is why I got a little heated yesterday at Jason Bourne. Uh, I apologize for, for, for shouting. I didn't want to do that, but it does piss me off a lot when people try to tell me what I believe. And it also pisses me off just as much when people do that to other people, because the more misrepresentation goes on, the harder it is for people to get to the truth. And the harder it is for people to get to the truth, the harder it is for us to actually talk about solutions to problems. So people who misrepresent other people, lie about them, leave things out, lie by omission, whatever, they are actually working against the solving of problems because I don't know because tribalism the stupidity and this woman is gonna start the video by misrepresenting and remember she is a intersectional woke as hell SJW feminist type so let's take a look at what intersectional feminism really thinks about women Okay, for people who might be listening uh, to this as a podcast later, like audio only, it's there's a um, shot of the American flag waving, and you got like the you know uh, national anthem playing, and it says, "And now a message from your fellow patriot Karen Karenson, okay, which is a character she made up that essentially represents conservative white women, I guess. So, oh, and by the way, a group of women who. Go ahead. The group of women who isn't uh, doesn't get access to, uh, I guess, a fair treatment. Uh, so, in other words, the group of the out group of women, you know, in in a tribal system, the women that it would be okay for the men to rape and murder, essentially. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> by the way, guys, if you think that the Boy, screen looks weird, there's some serious delay going on. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's like, a, it's a my internet seems okay massive today, but delays. it makes them. Mm. Maybe it's mine. Yeah. Hmm. It might be your internet. I don't know. You might have to close some of those porn tabs. Um <laughs> Okay, so okay. I'll so do that I, right now. Okay, so I have a bunch of video filters on top. Normally this would be a correctly colored flag um and it wouldn't be all like staticky, but this is to protect us from copyright because when you respond to SJWs, you have to be careful that they don't try to destroy your channel or having an opinion that differs from theirs. So we're doing this for our protection. Mm. All right, let us continue. Rational skeptics, gamers, and edgelords of YouTube, take heed. Western masculinity is in crisis. The murderous equity doctrine of feminists, the gays, and cultural Marxists is upending the natural DDLG social order, and social justice warrior professors on college campuses are calling masculinity itself toxic. Okay, so you can see that um, she is essentially setting the stage, right, for every woman who speaks out against basically wokeness and they have to be framed as ultra, you know, Christian Patriot, um, conservative women, which of course is by default a bad thing. And this is something you guys should be careful of. Like you, you should be questioning when people say, Oh, that's so that person is a so-and-so, um, you know, they belong to this camp or this camp. Uh, you should be asking what well you know how does that make them dismissible right off the bat because they're not making a direct accusation they're basically trying to use oh you're associated with this camp therefore you must believe these things and this is what they do i mean what am i supposed to tell my sons i for one am dreading the day little mccaden and Bray and come home from school or a friend's house and tell me that they can't wrestle anymore because a Gillette commercial from two years ago said it was bad. Where does this idea of toxic masculinity come from anyway? So, yeah, again, you know, she's putting this out there and you have to, like, put yourself in the headspace of progressives, okay? Um, the idea that a white woman is worried for her white boys is something that they find funny. This is the joke, okay? So to them, white boys, let's be real though, boys, they're not deserving of sympathy. Uh, especially if they're going to be in service to the what progressives believe are their enemy, which is basically everyone that isn't them. So if you're a liberal, for example, you are no more their ally than the conservatives are. Progressives hate liberals, just the same, okay? So let's stop associating leftism with liberalism because they are not the same. And in fact, uh, leftists hate liberals and they, they only find liberals useful for about as much as liberals can serve them. So if you are a liberal and you consider yourself to be a liberal or at least like your beliefs lean towards liberalism, then you should not side with progressives. You could probably find far more common ground with conservatives, believe it or not. And the same thing is true of libertarians. Libertarians are actually the target of progressives. Now, they do make up a minority, but more and more people are sort of waking up to libertarianism as a more feasible 
And I, when I say libertarianism, I don't mean the party. They're a joke. I'm talking about like the, the principles, right? Um, mo more people line up with that than would um, than you might think. And even if they don't use that label, they generally agree if they were aware of it and progressives believe in control, um, absolute control through the state and they will um, uh, bend heaven and earth to get it. And that means that at the end of the day, and this is the reason why I get so angry with libertarians that try to put themselves on some complete, like they're not involved in this, in this scuffle at all, and they think that they're separate from this. Uh, that's retarded, and you need to wake up and smell the coffee, and you need to like start talking to liberals, centrists, moderates, and um, uh, conservatives about how you guys can work together to defeat the progressives because the progressives and leftists hate libertarians and they will they will take you'll be as a libertarian that basically tried to dunk on everybody because you're so much smarter than them you'll be getting lined up on on the wall to get shot by the firing squad and you'll still sit there and you'll say well at least i'm not a conservative as they kill you so stop it okay all right, I got a super chat from Ciara to Flora for $5. He says, I'm sorry I had to share that curse video with you guys. My brain is still tormented by it. I mean, it's fine. Uh, you know, when you can identify, um, when you can identify evil, when you see it, it, it's, it's kind of helpful to be able to, to do that. And this is good practice. So Tim Trainer says, you don't think libertarians would shoot back? Well, sure, but there'd be so few of them because they've alienated everyone who might, like, work with them that they're going to lose. That's the problem. It's time to work with people that you have common ground with. And we will continue. So here's, so she's playing a character, like I said, super patriotic Tradcon woman who apparently is also a bigot in every way that she believes they are. And... She either legitimately believes this about women who are not in her tribe or she knows she's lying about them. Either way, it is, uh, in my mind, it's evil because you haven't done the work to try to understand people who disagree with you. And you assume that you must be well, right and they deserve whatever they get for not being in your camp. Well, you're right, obviously, because you've created this caricature of everyone who disagrees with you and this person is wrong and can't be right. Yes. So, yeah, like I, I don't think this individual who made this video thinks that there is any opposition or any legitimate opposition to what she has to say. Not in the slightest. Mm hmm. Like, she, okay. she would basically say everybody who disagrees with her is evil. With yeah. no, 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 no sense of irony either. That's what's uh, that's what's amusing about all of this. Oh, yeah. It's like they say, SJWs always project. Okay, let us let us continue. Um, I gotta jump ahead. This is a very long-winded thing. So she is going to explain or give us a brief history of the men's movement, of the mythopoe mythopoetic men's movement, more specifically, because that's how where. Possibly, how could you possibly have a problem with those guys? Seriously. Uh, I I have a theory as to why she's going after the mythopoetic men's movement. And she really does, like, hard. Okay. Um, so, remember, guys, she's talking about... The, okay, so, the mythopoetic men's movement 
are the guys that basically like go camping in the woods and and probably smoke weed and beat drums as a way of like getting in touch with their you know inner masculine or their their sort of uh, divine masculine or something right it's very mm-hmm. it's it's hippie shit all right i'm not a big fan but if it works for you go ahead right if it works for you go ahead um but they're not even they're generally not even interested in rights or you know uh legal issues um i've I've been to a couple of mythopoetic men's meetings and they it's all like you know uh people sitting in a circle and sharing their personal struggles and their emotions with other men and it's relatively harmless and you know really um there's a lot of ritual and stuff right and Tim Goldich, who's been on the show a few times, he he runs a group uh, at the Mankind Project, which was the, the Chicago uh, branch. There, there, there's nothing edgy about them at all, but they're still men trying to do stuff for themselves and for each other. So they got to go. So does she go after us at all? MRAs? Yeah, actual men's rights activists or men's oh. rights advocates or even Honey Badger Radio. Like, does she no, ever? No, no, no mention of Honey Badger Radio. Oh, uh, yes. Al- because although that I'll woman be... is you to her. So. I, oh, I know. I know. Because she absolutely doesn't understand a word that I say. Um, she, I, I would guess that I, I hate to say this, but, you know. I'm a little too high IQ for her. Oh, <laughs> we get into biological essentialism here. Oh my goodness, yes. No. Um, I know I'd be a bit a bit of an ass, but I think that she probably listens if she ever listened to the stuff I I say. And incidentally, if she wants to come on and talk to me, I'm, I'm open to that. Yeah, she's okay. uh, you know I, I would do it. I would talk to her. Um, I would imagine that she will understand about 1% of the things that I say. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I mean, I don't even even mean disagree. I don't even mean disagree, Brian. Mm -hmm. I don't think she'll understand. I know what you mean. I know she'll disagree despite not understanding. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like what you said. I don't know what you said, but I don't like it. Mm. A lot of people who either don't or won't take the work, or can't, or won't work to understand something, will essentially cast it as immoral. It's essentially mm-hmm. just the same as, as fundamentalists pointing at anything they don't understand and saying that's the work of Satan. So I imagine if I had a conversation with her, there would be a lot of things that she would simply dismiss as the work of Satan, because she doesn't understand it. But yeah. I would still have that conversation. All right, so let's let's watch her attempt to tell us about the mythopoetic men's movement and her absolutely and totally fair characterization of it. Second wave feminism is generally defined as the period of feminist philosophy, political activism, and direct action that started in the 1960s, coinciding with the wider civil rights and liberation movements of the time, and culminating with the feminist sex wars of the 1980s, after which it was succeeded by a movement that would come to be known as third wave feminism in the 1990s. 
The term second wave feminism was popularized by New York Times magazine journalist Martha Lear to describe what was really the first big push towards liberation and gender equality since the campaigns for suffrage of the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Feminist thinkers in the mid 20th century began openly critiquing the patriarchal institutions and cultural mm. norms that kept okay. women and femmes confined to roles of domesticity and servitude. Remember, and we got to be careful fact- about the copyright. Yeah, I know, I know. So basically, she she's describing the patriarchy uh, as though it's real and Mm -hmm. uh, just assumes that all of the stuff that comes with it. So let's hear the rest of the 20th centuries. Feminist thinkers in the mid 20th century began openly critiquing the patriarchal institutions and cultural norms that kept women and femmes confined to roles of domesticity and servitude and enforced a de facto gender caste system in most of the modern Mm. world. Yeah, well, so I like there's the, a, I like the little uh, I like the little shade she passes on masculine women, women and femmes because you know women oh, like yeah. me are oppressing the feminist the feminine women, and we're also oppressing the feminine men. So you know in the intersectional hierarchy, apparently I just I am just under like a, a straight white het man because I'm a masculine woman, which means I have patriarchal something in my brain or some shit. Anyway. Well, this, yeah, she's, she's for those guys who might not understand what's going on. She's using this intersectional trans inclusive language um, in this historical context to suggest that there have always been femmes, uh, but they were, they too were oppressed. And I think that would even include, you know, men who are femme. I don't know. Um, yes, it does. Yeah, she, it does. A, okay. What it includes is it includes women, uh, presumably if I disavowed my masculinity uh, or my masculine traits, I would be firmly in the femme cl- cl- uh, camp, and feminine individuals. That's what she means by femmes. So essentially, uh, she's created a gender dichotomy. It's not based on the role that you perform in reproduction, which is generally what most people base their gender dichotomy on. She's based her gender dichotomy on whether or not you are a victim and if you are a victim you are a femme and if you are not a victim you are a man or a a, a masculine i guess a ma- a, a a butch and uh yeah. so that that's essentially what she's done also also once again we are t- we are t- we are examining the thought process of somebody who thinks that feminism invented men caring about women in the 1960s i just want to point that out okay Mm-hmm. No doubt she believes, or at least her worldview is based on the idea that feminism invented men caring about women in the 1960s. So men didn't care about women prior to that. And we don't know exactly how feminism got men to care about women, aside from presenting a list of demands, which would suggest that they actually cared about women before they had these demands presented to them, um, because otherwise they would never be fulfilled. And uh, so that so I just wanted to point that out. You know, this is this is this is the this is the world that we have. These are the physics of the world that we now occupy with this while talking about and conjecturizing about what she has to say. Mm-hmm. OK, that's all I want. OK. Tell you. All right. Let us continue uh, on with this. So you see how she's already framing it, guys. Like we lived under patriarchy. 
Feminism was a good thing. This is all the good it did. It was also, by the way, you know, we feminists were right next to, you know, black civil rights activists and the LGBTQ movement. So we're just as good as those. And please don't judge us. And if you hate feminism, you hate black people. There are a lot of criticisms of the early feminist movements. Okay, so she's... Um, she went back to the suffragettes and she's basically uh, accepting that the suffragettes should be criticized for their white hegemony or whatever, right? And this is like the new dodge because, you know, it used to be that uh, feminists would retreat back to the suffragettes and say, well, they got the vote and the vote is good. But then when people bring up, well, you know, there was this, uh, they only got the vote for white women, um, you know, thing going on, they had to contend with it. So now they just submit. Yeah, the early feminists were white. Were they had a problem with whiteness? But we have learned from this, and now we're way better. So it's basically just a, uh, you know, let's just let's just restate this so that we're clean. Our hands are clean right now. But second wave feminism. Susan Brown Miller. Lead? Go ahead. I'm Susan sorry. Brown Miller's Susan Brown Miller's attitude on lynching. Like the idea that Emmett Till shared in privilege with the men who killed him. Oh, and the woman who instigated it was his victim. You know, in the in the system of male uh, male privilege. Like, I, I wonder mm-hmm. if they're ever going to hold second waiver Susan Brown Miller to task for the crap that she said. I'd like to see that too. They'll say there are different flavors of feminism, and that feminism is not our feminism. That's there's always a there's always a maneuver. They sidestep to a lot of net gains, no fault, divorce, reproductive rights, the recognition of marital rape and the establishment of women's shelters and even just the ability for a woman to open a bank account on her own are all just realize something. I just realized something like a lot of these things that we talk about are basically that we want marital we want rape of men to be recognized as a thing and that's important for society and to stop minimizing it statistically and through rhetoric um and that includes the marital rape of men because it happens in fact it happens equally um so you know that would be nice we also want men to have you know control over the products of their labor and not have it appropriated either by women who have falsely named them as the as a father of a child or women who have abused them and gotten pregnant without their consent. So, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And, and even, well, hell, I mean, even if we could get it so that men who are physically raped don't have to pay for the products of the conception that results, that would be cool. Um, you know, and uh, so reproductive rights for men would be great. That'd be nice to have. It just, just strikes me that we seem to be asking for the same things that he's, she says second wave feminists ask for, except when we do it. We don't get it. We don't. One. No, men it doesn't get it. It yeah. doesn't happen. Conversation doesn't even take place in a meaningful and way. And also, it's 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 also we're cast as Satan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so funny that he, in this and this patriarchy that's designed to solve men's problems. If you bring up men's problems, you're Satan. That's a funny thing, isn't it? So it's a funny yeah. world we live in, huh? Yeah. Mm. Okay, let's keep on. Yeah. All right, let's keep going. Feminism. As one would expect, women's liberation led to a lot of backlash from reaction. All right, there is a picture of, uh, is it uh, Phyllis Schlafly? Schlafly. I think. Yeah, her, 
Her yeah. reactionary statement was that women already had all the rights they could possibly need, and anything more would be giving them less rights. So, oh my God. so anti-woman, this woman. In fact, <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. one of the things that she was most worried about was losing the legal expectation that husbands support their wives. Uh, you know, that, that's a... <laughs> they, they don't really understand Schlafly's approach, do they? Mm -mm. They don't care. It's like they, they don't care. No, they don't care because... that conservative women have their own way that they think that women are benefited. And yes. that's, what they're, that's what they're gunning for. Okay. Yes. They don't think that. Yeah, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be a big deal if the ultimate goal was say, I don't know, that women uh like basically be be removed, well men be removed of their um responsibility to women and then women would just fend for themselves. That would be liberty. Absolute if you wanted it absolutely. But that's not what feminists are after. So at the very least, when Phyllis Schlafly says that, you know, uh, in, a, I guess you could say a traditional marriage, women are taken care of and they already have a lot of their own, you know, uh, privileges. She at least acknowledges them. But feminists want to have their cake and eat it, too. They want men to serve them still, but they're just not doing it in a marriage if they can avoid it because they don't want in turn to owe men anything or to feel at all um i don't know responsible for them or their or even just their own part to play in the larger society men have to basically bear all of it so it it, it is a it is different but i mean at the end of the day the idea is women benefit in both cases so mm -hmm. nobody's actually uh set forth like except for us the idea that maybe men should benefit or maybe men should be helped or since we basically lean on men for the entirety of our society existing, maybe we should be concerned about the issues that face them and demoralize them and make them incapable of working or being motivated to work. You know, like th that might behoove us as a civilization to take care or to take a look at those that stuff. But nope, nope. Um, there's that's really just us saying that it's not the traditionalists and it's not the feminists. And uh, I think that the absence of that conversation is is coming to bite society back in the ass. But that's mm -hmm. a that's a, that's something for another day. Let's uh, let's continue right, with this individual. Let's keep going. So far, Action nothing really too offensive. Very men no, and no. some women, but a decent chunk of other men looked around them and said, "Yeah, yeah, this sucks. All of this fucking sucks. It sucked more for women, but it sucks for us too." Why isn't anyone talking about how it sucks for us, too? Won't somebody think of the men? And the thing is... All right, I'm pausing it there. So she's basically saying that there were men in the mythopoetic men's movement, or maybe just men generally, that found that this does suck. Now, she, she said that they, they were like the kind of, I guess, would you say male feminist adjacent? So not necessarily mm -hmm. uh, just... They weren't anti-feminist or critical of feminism. They just thought, well, if you're doing this to liberate women, maybe we could also liberate us. Mm-hmm. So, which was a mistake. <laughs> We're going to find out. Because guess what, guys? Feminism doesn't want to help you. Even if you, mm -hmm. even if you bend the knee to them, they're not going to help you. Um, okay, so let's keep going. 
was, they had a point. The masculine ideal of the post-war period was a man whose only two emotions were pride and rage, whose diet of red meat and Marlboros would kill him by the age of 55, who never had very much of a relationship with his father or his children, and whose idea of masculine friendship is just like a firm handshake. Again, another straw man about men. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This is so annoying. Like, she watches too much TV. That's all I can say. Stop watching TV and meet real men. You don't understand men. You don't understand masculinity. It does, I don't give a fuck what year you pick out of your ass, what year you, you choose. That's not the way men relate to each other. This is a massive straw man about masculinity. And of course, the point of this is to basically make the case for toxic masculinity. And, and by the way, if those traits, let's pretend that the straw man is real. Let's pretend the straw man is real for a moment. And that is true about men, that they literally eat red meat and diet 55 and, and chain smoke. And they don't, they, they don't have the ability to love their children or their fathers. And they're completely like whatever robot she's basically describing. Let's pretend that that's real. And he wears a suit and he smokes a pipe and, you know, he knows best. And he, he beats his wife when he's frustrated and he hates his job. And all of that is true. Well, guess what? Women selected for that. So that's what you get. So if you're mad at anybody, you should be mad at women for sexually selecting those men. So like, and this is another thing that she leaves out. We are the way we are today because of women's sexual selection on, on some level and because of the way that women raised their children as they were involved with their children in their early uh, formative years and you cannot see that you ignore it completely and you assume well, look. that well go ahead look at the outfit she's in yeah i dare her to wear that outfit and say that she is not exploiting women's sexual power over men well she is she even admits it later in the video when she says i have 70% or 85% of my viewers are men. I wonder why. And then shows a picture of herself in this outfit. So she enjoys wow. and revels in this sexual power while also claiming it's objectification. Oh, God. Well, you know, enjoy it while it lasts because you don't have the brain power to keep anyone interested for long. <laughs> Especially but she's since wearing costumes and doing comedy. Don't pay too much attention to the logic. I thought these people believed in evolution. <laughs> I don't know. But regardless, right. she's going to, you, you say, you know, w women have selected for these men and using their sex sexual selective power. And she's obviously appealing to that power in order to get more attention for her views, for her beliefs, shall we say. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're, they're just basically a grab bag of, of, of slogans. It's not consistent enough to really be a belief system, but whatever. So she demonstrates exactly the power that she probably would deny exists. And that power has been working on men since men were men. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Brian is right. Women select for these men. And the other thing is, if you're going to go after the, the men in the 1950s and 60s, you realize that they went through a living hell. Okay. That's why there was a lot of emphasis on reestablishing some kind of normal 
And also, in the 1960s and uh, 50s and 60s, what was presented was a Hollywood fiction. Like, that Leave it to Beaver crap was a Hollywood fiction. Father's no be- no Father Knows history. Best, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Father's Knows Best was originally a joke. Like, the, it wasn't about a, a father. It had a question mark in the end. They always use this, but they had a question mark on the end, as if Father Knows Best. The answer was usually no, okay? It was a comedy about that concept. Um, so this, this individual, this individual is, I I don't know what to say. Like she, she would deny the very thing that she exploits, but of course it's within her best interest to do so. Like, Mm -hmm. why would she recognize the power that she's using? That would be too honest. That would be the beginnings of true introspection, introspection and true understanding. And you're right, she doesn't understand men at all. Like, right out the bat, if you are a femme and you think butches don't have feelings, you are wrong. Mm-hmm. Start again. You arrogant, chauvinistic asshole. I'm going to just call you an asshole. I'm not going to use the usual insults. If it's, you think that... It, wi- it's fr- No, I was saying it, it's, it is fresh asshole it's a fresh i haven't heard it in a little Mm -hmm. Mm. you're an asshole if you start from the premise that men at any point in history did not have feelings you're an asshole you're a chauvinistic asshole and your opinion can be binned instantly um and the the thing is that i guess what she's saying is that there's this mythic oh it's the fraternity between men that forced them to be emotionless it's always that, right? It's, it's men's relationships to each other that lead them to feel isolated somehow. Isn't that funny? And it seems more like she's dismissing men's problems and the expectation that men be stoic by saying, blaming them and saying that they get some kind of benefit. Nobody gets benefit out of being stoic. You know why you're stoic? Because someone else needs to rely on you. And you need yeah. to put your, your own needs last that's, we need to stop using the term stoicism. We need a different term for it. How about sacrificing for others? Mm-hmm. It's toxic sacrificing for others. Wait, let's call that, let's call that, uh, if stoicism is toxic self-sacrifice, toxic self-sacrifice, then, ma- then toxic masculinity is toxic self-sacrifice. Okay? Mm-hmm. I want you to change your terms so that you see what they actually are. Blame men for their toxic self-sacrifice, their willingness to put their own feelings aside so that femmes can emote, that femmes can eat, that femmes can be protected, that femmes can have a roof over their house, their house and, or a roof over them, and that their utility bills can get paid. It's toxic self-sacrifice. And you know why it's toxic? Because it's being asked of by people who lack any sort of gratitude and turn around and blame that toxic self-sacrifice on the people who are sacrificing for them. And you know why you do it? Because of your own insecurities. Get that fucking dress off. Get in a proper shirt and a proper pants. Wash off that fucking makeup and start having real thoughts. You can start by understanding something other than the inside of your own eyeballs. God damn it. Yeah, I know. The smug oozes uh, all throughout. So uh, I got a super chat, and then we're going to keep going. 
Albatross gives us $5 and says, tried watching her vid to see for myself. Super smug. Couldn't last four minutes. I roll emoji. Uh, yeah, well, it they... gets it gets better. But What, what yeah, are they ahead. smug about? What are they so smug about? It's 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 that they feel like they know everything like they have comp all they feel as though all knowledge is complete and they have not taken into consideration the possibility that they may they may be wrong, which immediately cast them into hell and they could get out of it instantaneously if they accept that they don't have all the answers, but they cannot do that. That is the definition of what they are doing, and that's why they do it, because they like to. They like to feel superior to other people. This is all about superiority with them. The feminist men of the liberation movements of the 1960s and 1970s identified with getting more in touch with what they called their feminine side. Sorry. Exploring attributes that have been historically more associated with women and femininity, nurturing, intuition, emotionality, but they felt a strong disconnect from their own masculinity. Enter the poets, enter the warriors, enter the wild men. Oh god, she has such a punchable face. That does not mean I will punch her. Unless it was consensual, like we decided to get into a cage match, which I would be open to. <laughs> All right, so she's giving yeah. us a little bit of backstory. Um, you know, it, it's probably a little bit past, the, well, well past the point to, you know, maybe critique if she's not misrepresenting the mythopoetic men's movement, which I have no reason to believe that she isn't misrepresenting them because she has misrepresented everyone else so far, except for herself and her tribe. No, I think she's but, misrepresenting herself. I think if she wiped the smug out of her head, she probably might have a decent brain, but she has to be open to actually learning. Because, you know, intelligence comes from learning. In fact, in being open like how did these people get high on the open like the, the you know in the in that big five openness which yeah which incidentally i think that the the personality test miss a big lots of different factors and I, I don't think it's particularly useful but regardless how did these individuals get so high on openness when basically all of their all of the channels of 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 information that could come through from, from the outside world into their brains are clogged with toxic smug plaques i'll tell you why i know why i know why why um because i okay so when they talk about the the, the oh like the you know this group on average tends to be tends to score high on openness it is an average right so they're taking all of the all of the data and they're putting it together and they're they see that on average they're high in openness but the problem with this is that um, I, I don't think that leftists are high in openness. I think liberals are, but they're lumped together all the time as being the same group. So liberals score really high in openness and leftists don't. And so what the result or the or it is uh, may also be the case that the way in which openness is measured is sort of like uh, biased towards you know, like um, a, a feminist way. So, for example, I'm not sure what the questions are, but if there are questions about women or, you know, uh, sexual orientation or um, 
uh, like that, like them that are specific, then people who are more liberal and and less leftist may score higher in that. But if they're not talking about, let's say, men as a group that deserves, you know, consideration, then that you're not going to get a, a really clear look at how open people are. So it could be that. But I'm, I don't know. And I, I, I haven't taken the big five. So don't, you know, like, don't shout at me in the comments because I'm not making a, a, a de definitive statement here. I'm just working it out. But what I believe it is, is that um, it's actually liberals that score really high and not these folks. These folks represent a small fringe and they're very not open. <laughs> they, they have a very strict set of gender roles that men and women are supposed to follow. And they're calling it openness, but it isn't. So. Mm. I'm about to take the big five test. I'll see what I get. But I, 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 I would be astounded if this woman is open to anything because she has a mechanism in place to reject everything that isn't her being completely right at all times. And incidentally, that's that's the recipe for being the most mediocre human you could possibly ever be. Like, if you want to excel at anything, you need to invite criticism. You need to invite new areas of understanding what you're doing. Um, you know, everybody who excels works on everything that they are not good at, not the things mm -hmm. that they they're not not the not the stuff that they're 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 really good at. Like if, if they if they have something or they if they're like a piano player and they they play a song really well, they don't just keep playing it over and over and over for their friends and just sit with the accolades. They do the songs that they don't play well and they do it over and over again until they do play them well. Because they can tolerate criticism, they can tolerate self-doubt, they can tolerate insults, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or at least the feeling of being insulted. That's what's what. That's what it is to be truly open. It's a. It's a. It's a state. It's like the exact opposite of smugness. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, what she's with all this smugness, all she's doing is creating a, an impenetrable shield between her and anything new and any improvement and any achievement. And then she'll probably turn around and say, well, why don't femmes achieve for the same reason as you expect masculine individuals and men to constantly swallow your disparagement? Like, I, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, there was a tweet, the, you know, the usual uh, men suck or to blame for everything. And I responded to that tweet and I said, how, how is it that feminists think that men can endure things that women can't, that would destroy women, like just utterly destroy them. And yeah. of course, some feminists said, well, well power. And I'm like, well, well men, men obviously don't have the external power to stop being disparaged and blamed by large institutions for all of these supposed problems. They, they obviously, even if, it, even if it isn't a correct use of power, they don't have it. Because you're also presuming that men are evil. So if they had the power to stop people from disparaging them, they'd use it. Because they, according to your own logic, men are evil and don't care about other people. So either they have the power and don't use it because they do care about the opinions of others, even when they're highly critical to their gender identity, or they don't have the power. In which case, what are you saying when men have the power to, to take criticism, therefore they should... I mean, what are you really saying? You're saying they have more internal resilience, which they do. 
I mean, it's it's not impossible for a femme to also have internal resilience. I'm not saying that's impossible, nor that femininity isn't an aspect of internal resilience. But men in general do have more of it. So, yeah, I mean, but then they turn around and they can't even acknowledge that masculinity or being a man might afford you more internal resilience. Even though they are actually... They, it's like they're describing the elephant without saying that's an elephant. They're expecting men to step up to endure more. They're expecting it, but they still think, or they still comes out of their mouth, the exact opposite of, of what their actions say they actually believe. And it's just odd. It's like sometimes I wonder if I'm having conversations with sentient beings. <laughs> because there's so many contradictions it's well, infuriating it's it's hard because most people when you talk to them they have no in if you're especially if you're sharing opinions they have no interest in changing their mind so no matter how much facts how many facts you bring or how logical you are uh they just won't they just won't listen it never happens in a conversation it never happens that way or very 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 rarely most of the time people have to walk away and and if they're interested and that requires them to be curious and genuinely care about issues that they are talking about and not simply be like you know grifters or power grabbers or professional mm. victims or attention getters um then they would have to work it out on their own time and it takes a while and then they usually come to the conclusion on their own and then they take credit for it that's usually how it pans out. They say, oh, I changed my mind and I did that, right? And it might mm. take them a while. I don't think that you can ever change a person's mind online if they are so self-righteous that they feel like they can't be wrong. There are people who are legitimately curious in the outset and they want to see the discussions or they're, you know, kind of sitting on the fence because they don't feel like they know enough. But most of the time, people have an opinion on something and they don't really want to change it um, just because they hear some. Even if that information is absolutely like shatters them, like it creates cognitive dissonance. They're like, no, 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 this person, there, there has to be more to this. I, this guy's lying to me or he doesn't know the whole story or whatever. I have to get away from him because this hurts. And then they, they either like look into it more later on their own or they just stop trying so it's uh, not easy to okay i mean i've had uh like i've talked to co like communists and they've changed at least my understanding of things um they don't necessarily change my belief that they don't have an answer to what comes next because they don't but they changed my understanding of where they're coming from and what they want and not i mean i'm not, I'm not talking about all communists because not right. all of them are very introspective, but it's like every single person, no matter who, what point of view they have, has made me understand something. It has not made me necessarily agree with them, but it's made me understand something more deeply. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm hoping this person will let me, help me make, understand something more deeply. I, right yeah. now, I'm really bothered by the fact that that thing's tooth is near her eye. I think that's yeah. going to bother me the entire time. Well, Ugh. okay, let's keep going.
In the early 1980s, as second wave feminism evolved into third, a number of men, many of whom had been involved with the women's movement, began philosophizing on the plight of modern manhood and the alienation of most men from one another and from their sense of masculinity. It was a reaction to feminism, but not necessarily reactionary in the way we would consider our contemporary men's rights activists. You're ridiculous, and men's rights is nothing. What All right, the I'm just fuck? pausing it there. Okay, well... Um... Let me think. Wouldn't they be reacting against... I mean, she already said that it makes sense what they were doing and they were reacting against patriarchy, but now we're learning that, no, they're actually reacting against feminism. Is is feminism patriarchy in her mind? Like, I mean, I, I, am are I talking insane? Are you talking about yeah, no, the no, mythopoetic but, men's yes, movement? okay. The mythopoetic men's movement. This is, this is the progression of her thinking as far as I know. She begins by outlining their, outlining their problems, which, you know, most of them are, she may not, she has, probably has no interest in, but she recognized them as effects of patriarchy. Okay? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So we got that. And those so men she, also, I think, a lot of them would agree of that time period that it is the effects of Okay, but the point is that she identified the issues that the mythopoetic men's movie had, said they were parts of patriarchy, or that they were reacting to patriarchy, even said that the men themselves said that women have it worse, but we also have a problem, so let's look at that. And then she's turning around and saying that they're reactionary towards feminism. Did I miss something? Yeah, but she calls it, she calls the mythopoetic movement a reaction to feminism, but not reactionary. So oh, okay. a reaction to feminism is not, uh, what she means is they saw it and they were inspired by feminism to basically do something for men, but it's in line with feminism, right? So it's like parallel to feminism and it's not an obstacle. It doesn't criticize feminism. It doesn't criticize women. It's all men taking responsibility and, you know, seeking out their feminine side and, and you know, beating drums and smoking hashish. And so um, because of that, she doesn't think that they're uh, a threat to society because they're not a threat to feminism at this point and then she says unlike our contemporary men's rights activists of today who are reactionaries mm. and so okay. they're reactionaries right okay so is why doesn't she address us instead of the mythopoetic people guys like lay off them for fuck's sake they're not oh. doing anything to anyone she 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 did. She played this little clip from Parks and Recreation where uh, Amy Poehler says, uh, you guys are stupid and men's rights is nothing. That's basically the that's the end of it. So she's going to go. And oh, let me let, let me tell you why, because I know why this is. She attacks the mythopoetic men's movement. Because the mythopoetic men's movement, despite how hippy dippy they are, despite how ultimately harmless they are, despite the fact that they even work with feminists and accept women have it worse, and they accept all of the doctrine, there's still a bunch of men doing stuff together without women's oversight. And that's the reason. Because no matter, if they take out the most, this is exactly the same thing that's going on in big tech. First, they attack the most fringe people, 
like Alex Jones, for example, and they get him removed from the internet and people go, well, he was a conspiracy theorist and he was crazy, so, and then there's a new fringe and it's the person that's a step closer to the center and then they go after that person and then that's the new fringe and this is the same thing. They basically like attack uh, incels and MGTOW who they might place as the most fringe people in what they would characterize as the red pill or menosphere or whatever. But once they've destroyed them, then the, the circle just becomes a little bit closer and a little bit tighter. Before you know it, male feminists are also being removed because they're still men. There is no end to that. And this is why she's going, she's basically preparing to attack and destroy the mythopoetic men's movement. It just so happens that their, her channel is small, but essentially she's telling us that those guys are not doing masculinity right either. They're doing it mm. wrong and they're toxic and destructive. And they're not as bad as MRAs who just, just simply be treated as domestic terrorists and, like, you know, thrown in gulags or lined up uh, and killed by the firing squad. But they're close and we'll probably need to do that with them, too, eventually. This is just the mm. way that this works. It's like it, you don't go do things our way. You got to go. Mm. OK, I mean, I don't really care about this. Like, uh, I'm going to continue to do what I do. It's not like this individual uh, or this movie or, or, sorry, this show has changed my mind. Um, I'll change my mind when I actually get a decent argument from people that doesn't amount to some smug posturing. You know? Yeah. That, you know, if you, if you, could, if you can manage to, to explain to me, explain this to me. And also, what's interesting is when she talks about the men's rights movement being reactionary to feminism, I think she's missing a huge amounts of other reaction to feminism. A lot of it is not something that men can control because when you remove the connection between men's positive identity and doing something good for society, men sort of fold in on themselves and they can't create that for themselves. I'm sorry. It's like, I mean, you can be MGTOW, you can, you can turn away from society but it's incredibly difficult for men to manufacture for themselves how they benefit society. It's something that's sort of external work that needs to happen. And when you get rid of that sense of that kind of heroism, it's like you can't really have a hero without a damsel. People understand that. You can't really have a hero without having something to save. And it's not, it doesn't work for the hero to be the damsel at the same time okay mm -hmm. now i'm just going to say this i'm not saying this relates necessarily to, to men in, who are migtow or or men's right in fact i'm explicitly saying it doesn't when you take away that hero narrative from the average man that connects his personal actions to the benefit of society or the benefit of his family and you instead replace it with a toxic narrative that his entire existence actually harms women you are in fact disconnecting the horse from the cart so to speak or the engine uh from from the cab you, you see what i'm saying so you so what the what with feminism is doing is it's disconnecting the power structure from the drive like the uh, from the wheels of the car do you, do you get what i'm saying yeah disconnecting sure. the the dynamo from the from the electric grid and what's really interesting is they think that they're getting get something out of this I just find it fascinating because I'm, I'm like watching this woman and she has this, these carriage horses hitched to a carriage. And I'm not going to talk about the morality of hitching carriage horses to carriages because there's plenty to talk about there. 
but she's she is taking the hitch and she is removing it from her carriage and she is cackling about it she's like oh i'm going to take this away from men they're going to have no positive identity they're going to have there's going to be no transfer of men's greater desire to sacrifice men's greater productivity from uh, men to society and thus to me oh, it's going to be i'm i'm just i'm really i'm really winning i'm winning this encounter i'm like no you're not i mean it, you see what yeah. i'm saying yeah like she's she's basically knifing her own tires and saying take that men wow mm-hmm. all right that well you're really she, owning men she's gonna she's still probably gonna expect men to oh, like, yeah do this anyway so she's just like yeah but taking we'll away their okay. their their place in that yeah yeah no 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 it's more than taking away their place in that brian they are creating generations of men who are incapable of actually doing what they need to keep their society surviving. Yeah. They're, cre- they're, cre- they're cre- grass eaters and then, eat, you know, the, all the failure, failure to be launched boys, mm-hmm. you know, all of them mounting up generation after generation after generation until this society falls under the weight of its own hubris. And She's encouraging that. So what I'm trying to say is that there's a much bigger and more important reaction to feminism. Feminism is removing men's positive identity. It is removing the connection between men's actions and the construction of a healthy society, healthy families, healthy communities. By doing so, it is destroying the very thing it relies on. And they're running around being unbelievably smug about it. It's like, you think, okay, in communism, women were working very hard. In many cases, they were some of the hardest workers because they were the only ones with, uh, with work to do. They were the only ones because they had to run their small family farms to, to feed everyone. If that's the world she wants, that's fine. But, you know, it's going to be hard. She gonna she gonna actually gain some muscle mass there, you know. She's gonna be spending a lot more time in weather, out in the weather, fighting the sun and the and the mosquitoes, and their hands in the dirt. If she wants to go back to that system, okay. And I just find it really interesting how they don't realize that the biggest and most important reaction to feminism is not conscious, it's not overt. It's not people talking about these issues that feminism has created. It is the unconscious destruction of men's ability to take part in society. And if they think they're going to construct an entire world from women, and uh, women are going to sacrifice for society in the same way men are. Think about what I've just said. Women sacrifice for society in the same way men do. You think it's going to happen? No. No. And our the the health, productivity, um, the communication, every aspect of that our society is directly proportional to what the people in it are willing to sacrifice for it. And if men are incapable because they don't know how, like it's not it's not that men don't want to. Like all men are simps. No offense, guys, but it's it's probably best for men to internalize this so they can mitigate it in their choices 
Now, all men want to sacrifice for their communities, unless they're psych sociopaths. They want to sacrifice for their communities. They want to sacrifice for their families. They want to sacrifice for their societies. But when you give them no clear way of doing so, they can't. And then that want becomes depression. And they are become unable to. And you grow a huge mass of men who simply can't do anything. All mm -hmm. because feminism has taken away that positive identity that connects masculinity to service to society. And uh, I guess we can say, well, that means that feminism has liberated men. Um, uh, it also seems to be bent on torturing them. I don't know. What do people think? Do you think that feminism has liberated men by essentially stripping them of the positive identity in which they, they contribute positively to society? Or do you think it has caged them? I mean, because in many ways you could say that that positive identity is a carrot that holds men on a treadmill. But on yeah. the other hand, if, if it is something that men actually want, they want to know and they want to do things that are positive for society, for their families, for their communities, then I guess it's, it is a huge imposition. But anyway, I just find it ironic because that's, that's probably the biggest and most important reaction to feminism. And it has nothing to do with men's rights activists. Men's rights activists are just simply saying, hey, this is happening. By the way, feminists, you, you know that you're sort of, you're sort of, you're sort of destroying your own foundation here and feminists go hysterical and talk about misogyny you know you're not caring for the people who are actually holding all this shit up not even to the point where you're giving them a positive identity for doing so which is really hilarious it's like you're not you you can't even do that you can't even say hey you go this is great you're yep. being a real man you can't even do that no, that's the even... least amount it's just a little bit of gratitude and value yep. Yep. Even Tradcon women are doing that. Um, and there's a lot you can criticize Tradcon women for, but at least they seem to recognize that, you know, uh, men's productivity deserves to be acknowledged. So, and that they, des that they need a role to play. All right. Well, anyway, let oh. us keep go. What? Yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm keep gonna going. All right. Let's keep going. Let's play another clip. Leaders within this new men's movement encouraged men to reject the hegemonic expressions of masculinity that were harmful to men and to the wider culture. These malignant expressions of masculinity, like the glorification of unjust violence, competition to the deficit of fraternity, a rejection of male emotionality, and, you know, like, bro shit, were designated under the umbrella term toxic masculinity by psychologist and activist Shepard Bliss. In a 1990 interview in The New Republic, Bliss stated, I use a medical term because I believe that like every sickness, toxic masculinity has an antidote. All right, that's another 30 second clip. So Ooh, I... That's a... What? Go ahead. That's another thing that she's going to hate. The idea that toxic masculinity isn't an internal state of guilt that she can manipulate, but actually something that can be ended. Uh, but, but first we have to define it. And her definition of toxic masculinity that she is work that she's using doesn't seem to describe a, anything that's uniquely masculine and B, some of it isn't even bad. And C, it's a lot of stuff that women select for. So how are you gonna fix it? Anyway, I, I don't I don't know. Does it even need fixing? 
Like, mm. do we want men to be free or not? And if we do, then we're going to get behavior that women and feminists are not going to like. And uh, tough titties, that's not your problem. That's we're not, not talking about... We're not talking about rape or abuse. We're going to no, just talk about men. No, we have we're, laws we're, against that. I'm talking about bro shit, as she put it so smugly. Yeah, actually, you know, if, you, if, you, if men are free to have relationships with each other, that means they're free to have relationships with each other. Yeah. Like, if you're saying that patriarchy is stopping men from having relationships from each other, you know, then they're going to end up having relationships with each other when you get rid of patriarchy. You know, and uh, also they're going to be emoting more. So they're going to be expressing how you cause them pain. I guarantee that if men actually express, like, look at look at the classic interaction between Kathy Newman and and Jordan Peterson that everyone reads about. What what the hell did that amount to? It amounted to Jordan Peterson saying, hey, Kathy, you have to respect my feelings. And then the whole fucking Western world exploded. What do you think is going to happen when men get in touch with their feelings and expressing them? There's going to be a whole hell of a lot of Kathy Newman's being put in their place by Jordan Peterson saying, hey, you're being rude. You know, you're not respecting my personal space, my opinions, my feelings, and I expect respect of those things. You know, that means acknowledging that men have an internal life, a point of view, um, a, uh, a uh, what is it, a lived experience that should be acknowledged and you be silent when they talk about it. Do you understand that? That's what yeah. it means for men to express their fucking feelings. That's not what you want. You just want to blame men for not expressing their feelings, but continue to force them not to express them. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so funny. I'm, I'm on the big five and I'm at the question that says, I have a lot to say. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> so like um yeah uh another thing is that the way that she describes toxic masculinity which i don't need to go back to but you know it's the usual stuff but the the glorification of violence i wh what are you fucking talking about and you sound like a, a hyper conservative mom by saying that too, by the way, which of course, in a lot of ways, they are. They're more conservative than the trad cons they hate so much in their own way. So, anyway, let's keep going. Bliss was among a number of public intellectuals, including the literature professor Joseph Campbell and poet Robert Bly, whose work would provide the foundation of what would come to be known as the mythopoetic men's movement. Okay, all right, does she actually have any kind of fucking criticism? Because I don't need this historical lesson. Like when, when does she get to the meat of this shit? I could uh, jump ahead if you want. Um, so she does read a story, and I don't. We're not going to go through it, but she she goes and tells us about a story. It's a grim fairy tale called Iron John, which uh, Robert Bly uses as sort of like a template to talk about the uh, archetypal masculine, and I guess in a way. Maybe Joseph Campbell, too, which, by the way, it, I resent that she even invokes Joseph Campbell um, as someone who would oppose the idea of toxic masculinity. And if he did, I don't think that he knew he'd know what he was saying at the time. But um, because Joseph Campbell has a pretty good understanding of the hero's journey, he, he kind of wrote a little bit about it. 
and by extension he uh, he seems to me to understand the masculine as a complex and broad idea and not just you know me hate women me smash you know so uh, would you like me to just jump ahead to where he talks about she does a thing on let me just jump ahead to 12 minutes Iron John, foundational to the exploration of Bly's deep masculine. I don't want to say it that sarcastic. I sounded really cunty. <laughs> deep masculine. <laughs> I don't Fuck mean to mock you. men. Please don't game or game yes, me. Yes, you <laughs> do. You, yes, you do. Yeah. She actually says, please don't gamergate me. Want to say it that sarcastic? I sounded what, really. What do you cunty. mean? Actually, go through your bullshit and call you out for all of <laughs> yes. the bullshit. Because uh, I think we are gamer gating you, friendo. Right we're now, we're doing it right now. Yeah. Well, she doesn't nah, want this right. to happen. She wants all of her shit well, to just go too, out there unchallenged. Too bad because challenging <laughs> you, your shit is how you grow. Yeah. And you need some growth, friendo. Masculine. <laughs> I don't mean I don't, to mock. I, oh, I no, love her forced don't. laughter, too. I love her yeah. forced laughter. Don't gamer gate me. Uh, <laughs> foundational to the exploration of... Uh, let me let me see the 12. I got to go ahead a bit. 1529. Up here. This is... Uh, oh, yeah, this is about... Trying to ascribe cultural significance to blondes. Bly places a lot of emphasis on the need for deeper male friendships and stronger bonds between fathers and sons, and I can't argue with any of that. Early in the book, he correctly identifies the homophobic societal norms that discourage men from reaching a certain mm. platonic level of closeness. And he seems to reject those, but like in the most hetero way possible. Um... Again, I don't know, like, I'd have to look at the original source that she's talking about. She doesn't provide, I don't know if there's links, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, I didn't have the time to read Robert Bly's book to make sure that she wasn't misrepresenting him. I'm pretty but, sure I have read it. Yeah. I mean, like, he is, a, it's probably a product of its time. And uh, I'm sure, because I have seen books, like, I read The King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, and they they pay a lot of lip service to feminism, um, and I think it's because they're trying to make sure that their book can get printed. Uh, because feminists have no power. <laughs> so, but I mean, because it would also seem, the reason why I would even say that is because if you're just writing a book about men, you don't actually have to mention women or feminism at all. You could just write about men. But, um, you know. Yeah. Not okay, exactly Aristotle. Can I Aristotle. just point something out? Yeah. So far... No, not really any criticisms as of, as far as I can tell. Can we get to like a criticism? Because I'm finding this sort of tedious. Um, no offense. Uh, fine. Um, I don't. I don't think that it's necessary to go through because, uh, like um, I don't think it's necessary to go through her restatement of all of this stuff. Because it's pretty. Mm -hmm. First of all, it's pretty basic knowledge. I'm sure there's a lot of people in our audience who've already watched. Or read uh, uh, Iron John, you know. So it, it seems to me that it'd be far more productive to actually get to one of her criticisms of all of this. Just assuming that people understand, and also send those super chats in because uh, it helps us afford the Badger Cave. So, 
All right. Well, okay. So one of our criticisms is that this guy was, you know, wanted to push back on what she's calling like, you know, um, uh, homophobic ways of looking at how men relate, but she does it in the most heterosexual way possible. Uh, the look, the extent of her criticisms are not robust. So I, I hope your bar isn't set too high. He's basically it's just tearing into people. Yeah. Men, we must retreat to the forest and grow out our hair and beards and get naked and beat drums with sticks. We hunted the mammoth. It's 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 whatever. I I actually find it incredibly wholesome. The myth. Um, and there's something about his mother, but I could let me see. Let me get the best one. Let's go uh, for the best one. Certainly. Okay, well, the best one is where she basically goes into the story, or the backstory of, um, the backstory, uh, a story regarding, find it, on the timeline here, into the woods, uh, this, she basically gives yeah. us an anecdote. He didn't deserve this. Around... Yeah. Content warning, graphic descriptions of suicide and sexual assault. 5 p.m. on July 25, 2005, Ralph Sinto of Houston, Texas, received a phone call from his son, Michael's employer, saying that Michael never showed up for work that day. Two weeks earlier, Michael had attended a men's retreat, and he'd returned home terrified. Michael checked himself into a hospital for psychiatric treatment, fired his Alcoholics Anonymous sponsor who had recommended the retreat to him, and even consulted with an attorney about getting a restraining order against the sponsor, who he'd said had been barraging him with unrelenting calls. Yeah, I'm just pausing it there. So she's giving us a, a story about someone who uh, decided to go to a men's retreat. It was... Um, oh. And, and the, you can tell by the music and everything, it's going to be a really bad story with a bad ending. What were you going to say? Uh, so she's trying to paint it as a cult. Well, you've been to one of them. Do you think it's culty? I mean, it's no, I think it's hippy dippy shit. It's a bit cringe, but like if you're, you know, a blue pilled man and you're, um, I, I, I don't actually have a problem with it at all. You know, it can, it's obviously, I think it's, if it helps men, then go for it. But it's not for me. Um, it's, you know, like I said, it's hippy dippy. I have never done the, the warrior thing, which is what I think this is. This is mankind, um, the mankind project, not mankind.uk or whatever. That, that's just feminist shit. It's a mankind project. And I have been to, to, uh, a couple of their meetings, but I, I think they're basically harmless. So no, nothing, nothing weird there. Since his return from the retreat. Perhaps most upsettingly, the day before he neglected to show up for work, Michael told his mother, Kathy, that he'd recovered a memory of being sexually assaulted by a group of boys when he was six. At the retreat, he was pushed to share the details of this memory of assault to the group of men, against his will and without any licensed psychologist or therapist present. After the call from Michael's employer, Ralph Sinto feared the worst. He called... I'm pausing again because it's 30 seconds. She's telling the story. She's weaving the tale. And this is, uh, I, I don't know if it's the best, but this is the case that she's making. She has two anecdotes that she's using as her case against the mythopoetic men's movement. Called his daughter, Becky, and together they went to Ralph's apartment. To quote a 2007 Houston Press article, when Ralph turned the knob, 
the door opened. Ralph Sinto started screaming. The police arrived shortly after and were hit by the unmistakable stench of decay as soon as they entered the apartment. Blood was everywhere, on the ceiling and on the floor. And there was Michael Sinto, sprawled out on the carpet, a shotgun laying beside him. All right, that's another 30 seconds. I'm just stopping there. Uh, okay, again. so she's trying to say that this this retreat, um, she he remembers this 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 the memory of having been sexually abused by boys, and it was this retreat where these men were pressing him to to tell us tell them details, which I don't know, but it was the retreat that did it, not the fact that he's a sexual abuse victim. Right. You know, there's pl- plenty of victims of sexual abuse that kill themselves and never go to a men's rights or a men's mythopoetic retreat. But continue. Let's, let's. All right. The retreat that Michael Sinto attended in the weeks before his death was called the new warrior training adventure, formerly known as wild man weekend and was organized by a group called the mankind project. The Mankind Project's Wild Man Weekend, first held in 1985, was directly influenced by the work of Robert Bly, and the Mankind Project, known as the New Warrior Network until the late 90s, is the modern-day continuation of the mythopoetic men's movement of So, again, that's just... This is really thin. This is really thin. So, a sexual abuse survivor committed suicide after going to a men's retreat. This is what she's got. Mhm. Well, here's well, the thing. But she she okay, spends actually, she, she but she does spend a lot of time. This is the way that she makes this argument. So, because I did skip ahead quite a bit. She spends a lot of time essentially describing to us what the mythopoetic men's movement, their history, where they come from, what they believe, and how in her mind uh a lot of their, I guess, um the basis for a lot of their theories and their organi- and organizing is wrong because it still, you know, objectifies women. It's still misogynistic and all of this other stuff because I skipped a well, whole how- bit where. Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, boy, this is this is this is the opposite extreme to the fire hose of shit. This is like the this is the ridiculously like, extended. Um, <laughs> professor's lecture. Oh, okay. So she has these anecdotes and what she's saying is that the mythopoetic movement doesn't correctly deal with male survivors of sexual assault. Well, nobody does really. And to be honest, it's, it's this topic that, that the psychology profession also falls flat on its face in a puddle of its own vomit. Uh, it, 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 it's that bad at it. Um, <laughs> how many men be... has feminism driven to suicide yeah I wonder well plenty really yeah uh, El- Earl Silverman for one uh, mm-hmm. but uh, like uh, if, you, if, if that's your criteria not responding in a positive or productive way to men's pain my friend I don't think you want that criteria applied to you or your belief system. Yeah. But, but okay. So she's also saying that they're misogynist because they objectify women. How? 
They put them up on. So basically, she says in the example, they're they they're benevolently sexist. There was another book, I believe, uh, written about a film where um, it was a Michael J. Fox movie that took place during Vietnam about these soldiers that had like raped this Vietnamese woman over many years, and of course. Um, the, the the writer of the of the book broke the story and those guys got arrested or whatever. But essentially, um, she's because the 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 guy in the mythopoetic men's movement didn't do enough to um, attack the men responsible because he was actually talking about the man who broke the story on this. Uh, she basically like makes it like oh well you you haven't like you're you're not dealing with the gravity of the of the situation of this vietnamese woman so you know that she's taking all these like stories and she's already she's also talking about how all the mythopoetic men's movement are benevolent sexists towards women which is just as bad so when they say things like you know women should be in charge and women sh we should try letting women run things for a while which i guess i could see them saying stuff like that you know because I, I think that people do. She basically says, yeah, that's still... Worshipping women is also misogyny because it turns them into objects. So she poisons the well for, like, the first half. And then she tells us about this suicide. And, like, the, uh, you know, abuse that she claims led to the suicide. Which is coming up, I think, a little bit later. And that's her way of basically saying the mythopoetic the men's movement is... Yeah. What, what was that? Okay, so there's, there's more to this story. Yeah, there's more to this story, according to her. There, there's more to the story, if I if I recall. Yeah, there is. Does she have any sources for this? Um, let me see. Uh, gender and authenticity. Liberal Cook's YouTube channel. Michaela Peterson. Yeah, she goes after Jordan Peterson towards the end too, because you know, gotta gotta seal that in there. What is toxic masculinity? Why does it matter? Iron Adam John. Cut casualties of war. Vietnam. Uh, let me see. Mankind Project History. Michael Sinto, the the naked men. There is a a, a thing from the Houston Press about that. Um, okay. Men's movement stalks the wild side. Can all male support? Well, that's probably her from... source. That's probably yeah. her source. Yeah, probably. Okay, so why don't we go to the source and find out what the abuse was? If, uh, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. Naked men. Michael Sinto, Vogel, Houston Press. This is from right. 2007. So um, this is this is the incidentally this is the one thing that they found that they could possibly hang on the the mythopoetic movement. I'm guessing. It, it seems that way. Yes. So yeah, isolated eleven okay, acre compound. Whoa, 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 whoa! Go back up. Go back what? up. What? They had three naked men bring out it. Go, go down. Go down. Go down. Stop. They had three naked men bring out two chickens that they hit with a hammer. Okay. It says it's from the Mankind Project website. So. Yeah, it's, pos that, it's possible. No, this is what the allegation that they had three naked men bring out two chickens that they hit with a hammer. Mm-hmm. No. This is no. utter bullshit. This is bullshit. This is like satanic panic level bullshit. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Like they're doing cult shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're being. They're. He's essentially alleging that they're doing cult shit. I, I, uh, 
I suspect this is bullshit. Um, what else did they have in there? Like we're we're dealing with the the police report of somebody who's mental has a mental health issue. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any evidence aside from his testimony that they were killing chickens with hammers, or maybe they actually went to a farm? You know. Yeah, maybe. They have to, you know, maybe it was like, maybe it was a complete misunderstanding. And they're like, today on the mythopoetic men's movement, we're going for a field trip to a farm on this. uh, Well, I mean, like it is supposed to be like, uh, you know, a spiritual journey. And there's a lot of like hiking and endurance and, you know, physical stress. Killing chickens. I don't know about uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't think she mentions it in her video, but I, I know that it is supposed to be like, you know, like living as a wild man, right? So they like for example, one of the things that he that they that she goes into is how, you know, they took away his phone and his keys and uh, all of his things um that like from the material world or whatever, and he wanted them back, but like typically if that's the first time he'd ever been it must have been right because that's normal whenever they do it so this is the first time he'd ever done it and they treated him just like all the other men you know perhaps that perhaps they should have been better equipped if they're, if they're a man that has special needs or whatever but um it would seem to me that that's not so much nefarious as it is just ignorant at worst mm-hmm. and and uh, it there's, resu- there's a there is a lot of people, including professional psychologists, who are not equipped to deal with men having uh, breakdowns um, or alternatively not prying too much. Because there was, uh, for example, there was a group, uh, uh, I remember reading in one of the books that I read about um, the, the stressors related to combat. There was a group session that, that a, uh, a soldier attended, and mm-hmm. he was asked... He, or he was sort of demanded to to apologize to his victims and having gone through that experience and being asked or not, or even demanded or encouraged or something or pressured to apologize to his victims it opened up a episode of post-traumatic stress disorder that lasted months for him right. so there's all kinds there's there is all kinds of ways that bad shit can happen to people who've endured bad like they can have secondary trauma and the fact that this group caused him to have secondary trauma uh isn't necessarily on the group it just indicates that even the mythopoetic movement people or the men aren't really that equipped to understand and deal with the kind of trauma that men that endure Okay, they aren't. Yeah. It's don't they don't understand, and they're not equipped to deal with sexual trauma, which makes sense because feminists have made it very easy to ignore that we do have to have an understanding of the sexual trauma of men and be able to deal with that. It's common enough that people should be able to have some way of dealing with it, which isn't horrible. Um, asking him for more details is is probably one of the least horrible. Uh, the kinds of stuff that I've seen are denying that it happened saying that women have it worse, saying that men aren't raped enough for it to matter, or trying to minimize this kind of stuff. Um, That's some of the worst attitudes that I've seen, and I've seen it mostly from feminists. I've seen men talk about their sexual assault, and feminists get in there and immediately start minimizing it, start trying to reframe it, 
in such a way that women are seen as the bigger victims. And also somehow their assault, even if it's by a woman, is actually misogyny and she's using patriarchy to harm them. Okay? I've seen mm. feminists do that. So that is a terrible, like, like again, if she's going to hold the mythopoetic movement to a standard of caring about men and say, well, they didn't care about men enough here, I don't think she wants that standard to be applied to herself or her beliefs. Right. But I will do it. I'd be happy of to. Co of course. All right. The 80s and 90s. In the months following her brother's death, Becky went into full-on detective mode. She cracked the password on Michael's computer and used his passwords to access a members-only section of the Houston Mankind Project website. She printed out dozens of articles about the Mankind Project and spoke to former attendees of warrior training and chat rooms. A month after Michael's death, she discovered a letter Michael had written to the Madison County Sheriff's Office. In it, Sinto describes how the attendants are stripped of their keys and wallets, disoriented and subject to psychological abuse. Uh, yeah, I don't know about disoriented and subject to psychological abuse. Now, I don't know if that Houston chapter was weird, but I doubt that. Based on what I understand, like I said, it is uh, kind of a, an endurance stress thing. I mean, if you guys have ever met Tim Golditch um, and spoken to him, he runs these things. Like, it's just hippie shit. Like, and they basically want you to, to, to give them the keys, you know, and your cell phone because they want you to completely, like, become at one with nature. It's, it, that's all it is. And what does it even mean to be disoriented and abused? Like, that, like these are kind of subjective terms, so. Like, if you're not used to this, it's going to be harder for you. If you are, it might be easier. No, but I like the fact that she is holding... A group of people to a standard of care for men. I like this. My dear, this is an excellent thing that you're doing. We should hold all groups, all ideologies, all institutions to a standard of care for men. And it should be defined in terms of recognizing the validity of their lived experience, recognizing the possibility that they may have been victimized by things like sexual abuse, accounting for it, not minimizing it. I think that this is, I think she's brilliant. You know what? I take it all back that she's like, seems a bit slow. I think she's brilliant. She is introducing the concept of holding institutions and groups and ideologies to the standard of male care that is caring for men and ensuring men's comfort and the recognition of the issues that they face, such as sexual assault. I don't know. I, you know what, Brian? I think I like this woman. But okay. You know, and, and because I like her, I'm going to make sure in future to hold her to the standard that she's held the Mankind Project to. I'm going to make sure that she is someone who genuinely cares about men and is concerned for their well-being. And I'm going to hold her to that standard because I, I understand that she wants to be held to that standard because she's holding these people to that standard. So I assume that she's not a hypocrite. Well, I wouldn't want to think of her as being a hypocrite. So I will be holding her to that standard as we go, th go through this particular, particular piece. I, I, you, I, can you really fault her for wanting the mankind movement to treat, or sorry, the uh, mythopoetic movement to treat men kindly? Can you fault her? No. No? No. I can't no. fault her either. Yeah. 
I guess the Mankind Project is debunked. So, um... No, someone's... I don't think it's debunked. I mean, obviously one chapter might be sketchy. Yes, right. Like, yeah, that's that's it. That's she's not going to use this to slander all mankind projects, all men's groups everywhere at the same time. It's just this one incident with this one man at this one point in time and the men that were involved in this particular incident. That's I, I'm I'm sorry I assumed anything like that. We all know that feminists never engage in guilt by association. So yeah, you're right, Allison. My bad. All right, um, let's keep going and learn more about this. Including being forced to march through the forest, blindfolded and naked, being forced to discuss their sexual histories in the nude, threats of imprisonment and allegations of kidnapping. Wait a minute, discussing your sexual history in the nude? Um, I thought that was fighting against toxic masculinity. Wouldn't it be homophobic not to just be around other naked dudes and talk about your sexual histories? I mean, hey, if somebody gets a chubby from it, it's it's fine. Like, we're all just men here. There's nothing. I mean, like, if, if they didn't do that, that's toxic masculinity. I think that I'm, I think that that's the scary music isn't necessary. Oh, my God. Like, she doesn't want to open this box because the things that feminists do on their retreats to men is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, like, it is horrible. Like, I had some guy talk to me about. um unbelievable levels of sexual abuse like uh, and this is this is an allegation so it's somebody somebody relaying it to me uh he was terrified of ever coming clean about this stuff but apparently he had a friend who went to one of these retreats and he would be treated like a slave and sexually abused by the feminists mm -hmm. and i don't doubt it like i honestly do not doubt it because their entire philosophy is incredibly hateful towards men it, it the 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 worst thing you can say to a group of people is that they hate you. That is the most dehumanizing thing that you can say about a group of people is that they are defined by hate and that they hate you. And it's uh, not angry because you have something you did, but they hate you because of something you are. That is the worst allegation to level at people because it is the allegation that justifies all kinds of violence. And and feminists do it all the time towards men. So it wouldn't surprise me that at feminist retreats, men are treated like absolute shit in reparations mm -hmm. for how they say women were treated prior to feminism uh, inventing men caring about women. Um, so, you know, it's like it, it wouldn't surprise me, but I don't think she wants to do this. Like, well, you know, maybe, maybe, I, like I said, I was being slightly sarcastic when I said that I think that she does want to hold institutions and ideologies and groups to the standard of caring about men, a, st a high standard of care for men. I was being slightly sarcastic, but she is doing it. We should mm -hmm. be a terrible hypocrite if she didn't apply these standards to feminism itself. You know, and incidentally, one thing we do know about, for example, is the white ribbon campaign forcing 12-year-old boys to take responsibility for sexual violence against women. Uh, what was that one British feminist who goes into classrooms of middle schoolers and talks about an excruciating detail about sexual shit, uh, uh, abusive oh, sexual stuff? Don't you remember? Uh, what was her name? God damn it. She was... Uh, she wrote a book about how uh, how middle school boys are starting to talk back to her and actually oh. say no. Uh, not Laura Bates, is it? I think not, it might be. 
Laura Bates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Laura Bates. Yeah. That's right. Because I, I was thinking like you know there was also a lot of pushback on Clementine Ford, but she's Australian, but she got a lot of shit too. Yeah, it's Laura Bates. I think. Yeah, I've also heard. Uh, so Laura Bates can go into middle school classrooms and subject the young men in it to her horrid sexual fantasies. I'm not saying that she necessarily gets off of them, but but they are sexual fantasies. All the rape stuff that she's talking about. And that's okay. We don't have to be concerned about the boys' discomfort. And they are uncomfortable with it because they will tell her so. And they tell other people so, that they are uncomfortable with being sexualized by a middle-aged woman. Like, you know, 13, 14-year-old boys. We're a little uncomfortable with this, lady. But, you know, so if we're going to hold that to standard, then uh, Laura Bates is right out. I mean, and um, also all the stuff that they're doing in, in Australia that uh, that situation where boys were made to stand up and take responsibility for sexual violence against women, many of whom those boys, many of those boys could have been, well, well if it was over like a hundred, there was guaranteed to be at least 20, 50 of them that were victims of sexual abuse by women and girls. So they were victims of sexual abuse by women and girls were forced to stand up and take responsibility for sexual abuse towards women and girls. That's another thing that's really right out if we're holding to this standard. Um, and what else? Okay, white, oh, the white ribbon campaign where, where, again, middle school boys are forced to take responsibility for sexual violence against women and girls. That's sexualizing young uh, underage boys. And mm. uh, yeah, once again, that's right out. Um, so all of the times that feminism presumes to go into a situation and lecture young men and boys about sexual violence is in fact sexualizing them. And by this standard, is right out. Yep. And they should go into these things, go into these lectures where they're sexualizing these boys and talking about incredibly triggering things with the understanding that a significant portion of those boys will have themselves endured such uh, sexual abuse and violence. And we're looking at statistics that could be up uh, as much as 50%. So if a feminist wants to go and have a lecture, present a lecture to boys about sexual violence, he or she should be ready to deal with male victims of sexual violence and not by minimizing them, not by denying their lived experience, but by recognizing the potential that they could be triggering them and making sure that they know how to take care of male victims of sexual violence and uh, sexual assault. Okay, but we don't see that happening. Feminists have carte blanche to do whatever they want to a population that has likely experienced a high level of... They feel carte blanche to go in and sexualize in the most depraved way. Like, the most depraved way that you sexualize a person is to regard them as a rapist without them having actually done anything or to make them take responsibility for rape without them actually having done anyway. So feminists have carte blanche to go into schools, sexualize minors in the most horrendous way you possibly can, and have no obligation to understand that they could be triggering some of those minors because they themselves have been subject to sexual abuse. Well, sexual abuse prior to the feminists going in and sexually abusing them. They have no obligation to understand, care about, or recognize the sexual abuse of men and boys. Okay. That's a great standard that we're going to hold pe feminists to, if you're going to hold these people to that. Especially since the people in the, or the men in the mythopoetic movement, I doubt, 
are themselves researchers or they don't bill themselves as researchers or psychologists or uh, people who have uh, academic credentials in the field of sexual abuse and assault. Okay. You see what I'm saying? The hypocrisy of this? Yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, <laughs> obviously these are just men that uh, care about men. That's literally it. I mean, some of them might be, you know, writers and whatever, but like you said, they're not professionals. They're not dominating academia. They're they're just men that decided they were going to try and help men in the way that, you know, made sense for them, and they just applied their hippie powers. Um, so I, I want to play a little bit more, and I think we'll, like, end at, at, the, at the top of the hour. Is that okay? Or... Yeah, that's fine. It's All been right. going a while. So I wanted to respond to some people that are trying to figure out, like, why... Um, this person is attacking the mythopoetic men's movement and is not, um, which it doesn't have a lot to do with the men's rights movement. I mean, there's probably, there's overlap, you know, like there are men who discuss the political, but they generally don't, it's just not the same thing. And the reason for this is if you can somehow demonize the least offensive aspects of a, um, uh, of a larger umbrella group that you yourself have categorized, then you can, by extension, um, attack the entire thing, right? So you basically take the mythopoetic men's movement, the least offensive, the least controversial, they're they're totally open to blue pill normie men um, that just like, you know, they're just under stress or they have some marital problems or they have some personal struggles. Maybe they're they're trying to quit alcohol or they're trying to make, um, you know, make amends with their father or their mother or whatever. Or they want to get closer to their kids and they're, they're trying to get a better understanding of themselves, whatever it is. Completely human things that all humans struggle with on some level. And these guys offer solace and brotherhood and companionship and fraternity. Well, if you can make them look like evil bastards that hate women, which is the biggest crime of all, by the way, and by extension, there are some effects on men. Well, then every other men's group, no matter what it is they get together for, is worse than them. So this is the, this is the reason for any of you who are wondering what does this have to do with the MRA? It's... The, the, if there is any group in the men's manosphere or even somewhat relevant to it that does not deserve what she's doing, it's this one. I don't think any of them do, but this one least of all. If you were gonna, if you had to rank them, basically, so okay. why would she do that? It's to get to us. It's everybody. Right, I just want to. I just want to point something out. Okay, the bar that she's set for criticism is that the men's mythopoetic movement does not assist men enough or harms men, okay? I'm okay with that. But that's not a... It's it, Only in the insane or the profoundly stupid... In the mind of the insane or the profoundly stupid is the mythopoetic part of the men's movement doesn't help men enough a way of dismissing every other group in the men's movement. Think about it. Mm -hmm. It's like the mythopoetic movement doesn't help men enough. Therefore, we can dismiss men's rights activists as not helping men enough. Yeah. Well, sh well, you know, what's her name again? Karen? No, it wasn't Karen. What's the no, individual's no. name? No, it's like Little Hoot is the channel's name. Okay. 
Okay, so Little Hoot's criticism ultimately comes down to the mythopoetic movement does not help men enough. I think we could agree with that, both you and me, Brian, but they don't have to necessarily help men in the way that we want to help men. So it's I mean, I, I, I think that they do, and I, I would put it to you in this way. The fact that she had to find one story of one man who committed suicide, despite the fact that the Mankind Project has been around for decades, that only tells me that they help way more men than they don't. And sometimes men fall through the cracks because they aren't fully equipped to help them because most people are not fully equipped to help them. So despite yep, all agree. of that, they did, they do good. But however, that standard is excellent because if one man falls through the cracks, we can condemn an entire group of people, an entire institution, an entire ideology and an entire, and a government system and mm -hmm. academia. In fact, we can, can, we can use her logic to condemn a lot of stuff, which yeah. is what we do here. You know, we, we do a lot of condemning of things that don't care about men. Um, so I don't know, like, it feels like she is saying that the mythopoetic movement does not care enough about men. Okay, fair enough. Obviously, they didn't do the right thing with this guy. Um, and, you, and fair enough, what you're saying is, you know, just one man fell through the crack. But, you know, I understand what she's saying when she says even one is man falling through the cracks is too one many. too many. Yeah. One too many. One too many. That means if there is one man who is raped by a woman and he does not get services, we need to make sure that those services are available everywhere he could possibly be. One man should not fall through the cracks. One man who doesn't get to see his children because of a false allegation of abuse. We should make sure everywhere that that doesn't happen because one man is too many. You know, one man is abused by his wife and can't find a shelter. We need to make sure that he has shelter services available everywhere because one man is too many, according to Little Hoot. And I agree. One man is too many. One man underserved or turned away or driven to suicide is too many. And we need to hold every single institution, every single government, every single psychological organization, every single ideology, every single group to that standard. And we are going to rank them on that standard. Okay? We're going to rank them. And we're going to find out which are the worst offenders. Which are the ones who accept the idea that not just one man, but, ooh, 5% of men. Remember that, that one we just did? The 5% of men who are ineligible for, for, pay, uh, for screening for um, prostate cancer? Remember that? That, that, uh, uh, that video yeah. we just did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not just one man is, uh, is ineligible for prostate screening, but 5% of the potential victims of prostate cancer are ineligible for prostate screening. Well, that, like, we just had a feminist who asserted that, that that's okay. That's, that's fine. Well, it's not fine, according to Little Hoot, because one man is too many. Okay? Yep. And we need to hold everybody to that standard. I agree. I totally agree. I mean, it's a little stringent. I didn't realize that we were going to be watching a, a men's rights video when we started this. I mean, it's a little stringent for my taste. But, you know, I, can, I agree with her vehemence. I agree with her passion that one man is too many. 
I think she needs to increase her scope. You know, I think she needs to expand her field of view and hold everybody to that, not just the mythopoetic movement. And it's interesting because, uh, like I said, she's going to try to dismiss the men's rights movement or the men's movement based on the idea that it doesn't help enough men um, or that one man wasn't helped or that, you know, it isn't sufficiently compassionate towards men. Well, I invite her to create a movement that is more compassionate towards men, more caring of their point of view, more rec- recognizing of their problems and, our, and the need to solve them. Okay. I look forward to it, I don't, I, although I'm not going to hold my breath. All right. Uh, let me play one more clip, and then we'll, sure. do the, we'll respond to it, do the Super Chats, and then go into the... Quote, they provoked the men into a rage, he wrote. They were telling one man, fuck you, you are worthless. Another man who'd attended a New Warrior training adventure retreat reported a particularly worrying incident while all of the attendants were naked in a sweat lodge. The man's wife, who wished to remain anonymous, told the Houston press, The man leading the group said, If you wish, you may reach over and grab your brother's dick. If your brother doesn't want your hand there, he can remove it. Well, my husband told me he just froze, and from that point on, he just wanted out. An anonymous post about the weekend on a Yahoo board. Wait, is that, that's, uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop it there for a second. Uh, they, we'll go into this in the patron show. So, first of all, we don't know if any of this is true. Second of all, by feminist logic, a man who doesn't feel comfortable with another man grabbing his dick is engaging in toxic masculinity. And homophobia. Eric Anderson would stand here and tell you that that's homophobia. So what? why the are you defending fuck? him? His comfort matters now. Okay. Well, anyway, go ahead. Go ahead, Allison. What were what? you going to say? No, I'm just, I just, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? I, I don't know. I don't know. Are they, are they sure they didn't mix up like uh, a mythopoetic retreat with a feminist retreat? Like yeah, seriously. Right? <laughs> I don't see those guys doing this. No, me neither. Either. Like, I mean, no. I don't know. I've never done it. I have no interest, but uh, like, I doubt, they, I doubt it. They, Big ol' X. Did they accidentally wander into like some sort of rural, uh, rural, you know, meat market? Yeah, <laughs> to turn it to... Not even just like they just they just happened to find the one spot where all the uh, all the uh, men having sex with the men in 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 the town go, and then <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the cruising grounds they just they just accidentally found the gay cruising ground mm-hmm. <laughs> during the retreat and they just went with it. <laughs> God damn, I can't believe that she. Who the hell treats this? Who the hell thinks this is serious? Beats me. I mean, they could have been joking with each other, too. I, I have no idea. The, the thing is, is that she's reading this with a really sincere voice over, you know, music in like with like the woods looks like some shit out of the Blair Witch Project. And it's it's all to get to get an emotional, you know, tone to people. It's just like what. All these fucking like Al Jazeera and like uh, Bloomberg and 
fucking um you know the, the i don't know like these like these like news these viral news sites do where they if they want to talk about something that they want people to be afraid of they play spooky music and they show you know out of focus video and then they tell you what's going on and they make it sound really nefarious I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but this, uh, the, cause we don't really have any way of confirming this. It's just like hearsay. So I don't know if it's true. I mean, if it is, he should have gone to the cops. That's all I can say, but I doubt it. I have my doubts because this woman's been lying since this video started. So I have no reason to take her on, take anything she says on its face. Really? She started by lying. So, I mean, Whatever. All right, um, Allison, do you want to say anything? Because you've been kind of quiet. We're gonna. Oh wait, am I alone? Well, I've I've been talking oh, this. Okay. Th I'm I've been talking this whole time. No, no, oh. I haven't. I mean, during the Must show. Have been, you were I just. I'm, okay. I'm still reeling. I'm still reeling. I'm like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Like what? That went. That went in an interesting place. That went. Is definitely. It, I'm. I'm not. Isn't it I'm weird? Not sure how, no, go I'm ahead. not sure. I don't know, but I'm not sure, like, how she can honestly describe the men's rights movement as tradcon simultaneously with accusing uh, uh, the the mythopoetic people of being a gay cruising ground. Like, yeah, you know, some, something's not squaring here. Like, it's just I don't know. <laughs> Gotta let my cat in. I'll be right back. Okay. Well, the thing I was going to say is, and I think this is really important, because we're not going to be able to go through the whole thing, but we'll do more of this in the patron show, okay? So, it's just like I said in the beginning. She sees men as a resource, not people. They are uh, there as a, a, like, a, like an energy source that can be harnessed if it's harnessed for the right purposes. The way that the men's groups harness it, it's not in the interest of feminists. So therefore it must be opposed because she wants their their life energy right and she says this at the end when she basically says after she's done uh defaming the mythopoetic men's movement the regular men's movement any other men's movement that isn't feminist or isn't feminist enough because remember the mythopoetic men's movement is not anti-feminist in fact it's mostly coming from second wave feminism and third wave feminism is it's like a a product of it right but still not feminist enough so it doesn't really matter because it's just like nick redding says you never work with feminists you always work for feminists and so what that means is at the end of the video after she slandered them and she slandered jordan peterson and she's slandered anyone who has basically tried to help men without doing so under the express authority of feminists, which is the way that they want to operate, and basically more broadly leftists, because they need a slave class of men that produce so that their society can have, I don't know, like a chance of surviving six months before everyone starts starving, starving to death and they're in bread lines. Um, she then says, well, maybe I, I agree and I do care about men and I do think that they deserve a movement, but we should be the ones that decide what that looks like. It's it should be a feminist movement for men because the they are have the power. They're looking for purpose and we can correctly harness that purpose, that desire that men have for a place to belong 
it'll be under us. It'll be serving our our goals. And this is literally what Antifa and BLM do. The Antifa is a bunch of young men looking for purpose, con, con, you know, committing crimes, property destruction, uh, assault, and even murder in some cases in the service of the women who run it because they're operating under that model. And I'm not saying that this woman is going to start an Antifa chapter. That would be hyperbolic. But it's pretty fucking close. And we can get into that in the after show or the patron show. I'm sorry. Because she is okay with men having a, a movement. It just has to be in service of her movement. It, has to be, it can't be independent of it. In any way. Okay. I just want to say, uh, uh, yeah, this has been interesting. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. That's, an, that's the thing I was going to say now that you're back. I forgot to mention this, too. Isn't it interesting that when she when it comes to men grabbing other men's dicks in the woods naked okay whatever i mean whatever when she needs people to feel uncomfortable for men she will frame it as sexual assault but if there was progressive articles that said you should let your friends touch your dick that would be fighting toxic masculinity isn't it isn't it interesting that she will allow the toxically masculine attitudes of not wanting to do gay shit with other dudes because you're not gay she will use that to draw sympathy for the man that is a victim of sexual assault because the point of it is to slander the mythopoetic men's movement, all of a sudden, men being touched by other men is bad. But typically, the people who are the, the most hardcore on, on pushing men to do gay shit with other men are progressives and feminists by extension. So it's all of a okay. sudden, it's an assault when it's happening within the mythopoetic men's movement. But if a woman was doing it in the name of feminism at some feminist retreat, or a man at a feminist retreat was doing it to another man who didn't want it done to him. Well, that, he's just being toxically masculine. He needs to relax and then give that yeah, guy a like, bro job. I, I, uh, I, uh, I did note that she said that he, she, uh, I think Robert Bly countered homophobia in the most heterosexual way possible is what she said. Mm. That's what she accused him of. So... Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that he was countering homophobia, he homophobia, he was doing it in a heterosexual way. So presumably preserving his desire, his recognition of his desire for women or whatever. I don't know how that works. But um, and now she's saying that a man rejecting this homosexual ritual or or uh, yeah, um, homoerotic ritual is uh, is not homophobic. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, she, Suddenly so he's homophobic. a human. He's a human being that we should be sympathetic to. It's homophobic to oppose homophobia from the point of view of a straight man. That's homophobia. Um, mm -hmm. With that mild thing is uh, anyway, it just just. Yeah, you're right. It is. It is a contradiction in terms. And I mean, if they did do it, this is like sort of sexual assault. Don't do that in your retreats. It's no, I mean, I, I, again, I don't know. Cause if they agreed to all this, then she's totally framing it wrong. 
And my suspicion is if that's not going on, there'd be a lot of police reports that we'd probably learn. I mean, maybe not. Maybe men would just sort of suck it up and not say anything because they figure nobody's going to give a shit. And maybe that's another, like, a problem, right, in and of itself that feminists have created. But um, I would think well, that... Exacerbated. There's, yeah, exacerbated. exacerbated. I would think that there's more to the story. And I won't yeah, take I this on so. its face. So... It's it's a little bit too out there. I mean, these guys have to sign a waiver, and you know, there's this because is, this the, is this is the newest this is the newest accusation, Brian. The men's rights movement made me touch another man's dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> at least they're at least at least it's different, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, it is. It's novel. It's new. It's novel. It's <sighs> fucking bizarre. Okay, I, well, I'm just. Let's just do the super chats because yeah, we're gonna stop it here. We'll do more of this in the patron show. Let's do the super chats. My mind, so. is, my mind is not gonna go further than this, Brian. No, just, I, I, I mean, here. I'll, I'll keep going. I already fucking watched this cancer. But um, okay. So Polaris five eighty nine gives us five bucks and says the problem with communists is that half of them want to be artists and the other half want to be the secret police. Um, Albert Nada yep. Retro. Uh, gives us $10 Canadian and says the movie was called Casualties of War. And in the movie, it's a simple, it's a single night. And Fox, that's Michael J. Fox, tries to get her out after. Only reason he gets believed is he talked to an army preacher about it. All right. Um, yeah, well, she frames this as because it's based on something that supposedly really happened. It's It means that all men are bastards. Even Michael J. Fox, even though he was trying to do the right thing. Because she's a feminist and that's what they think. Richard Bier gives us $1.99 and says Houston is in Harris County, not Madison. Uh, thanks for the correction. I was just, that's what she said, so whatever. Ciara Flora gives us $10 and says there is a woman named McKinney whose story is rather interesting. She kidnapped, fucked, oh, raped him repeatedly until he escaped. She stalked him throughout the UK and US and she barely served any jail time. There was also a Russian woman didn't like does a story of a Russian woman where a burglar broke in and she like um, overwhelmed him somehow, overcame him uh, and strapped him to a chair and raped him like daily for like a long period of time. That's crazy. Jesus. Yeah, that was it's it's I heard about it. I don't know if it's true, but it's one of those stories that's gone around. Ciara Flora gives us two dollars again and says, sorry, Joyce McKinney. Thank you. Uh, Ciara Flora gives us $2 again and says a younger version of Big Red. Um, and then Albatross gives us $5 and says feminists saying they care about men is like a racist arguing that they aren't racist. Well, only if they are racist. But a real racist wouldn't say that they weren't racist. A real racist would probably say, yeah, sure. Um, okay, so... Uh, do you, uh, do you go ahead and say, that's all the super chats. So go ahead and say your final okay, all right. spiel and then I'll do mine. If you enjoy this content, please go to feedthebadger.com, start a subscription, subscription, or do one of our part, our one-time options for, for support. Uh, that's about it. We, we right. exist because of generous donations of viewers like yourself or listeners. Yeah. Whatever you are. Yep. Uh, all right, so if you guys like this video, please smash that like button, subscribe if you're not already subscribed, hit the bell for notifications, leave us a comment, and most importantly, share it around because sharing is caring. Uh, and I, I make sure that it's like, you know, it's voluntary sharing, so don't 
accuse me of anything. Um, and we're going to head into the patronly show where we'll look at more clips from this uh, very enlightening and interesting and novel video. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on today's episode of HBR Debate, and we will talk to you guys in the next video. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.